All right, Mike Morgan. Morgan on the move, joining us here on Sports Talk. And Mike's got a busy weekend coming up. We know he's got basketball around the corner. Still doing some NFL stuff as we go to the playoffs here very soon. He's got the Jags and the Titans coming up on Sunday. The winner clinching the AFC South. I wish they'd have put you on the Bears and the Packers. Now that's going to be that's going to be the game uh-huh. of the day up at Lambeau, huh? Uh, yeah, it is. If you want to know where the Bears are going to draft, are they going to get the uh, number one pick, the number two pick? <laughs> Well, I'm going to say this. Pick? I'm going to say this. The Packers, as you know, I I follow the Packers. You might you might not be aware. I do. Yeah, I am aware. Yeah. So, in fact, I'm such a big Packer fan. Instead of using deodorant, I use block cheese for my deodorant. Boom, boom. Well, that would explain a lot. <laughs> Thought I, I smelled popcorn. I, I I used some green onion this morning, as a matter of fact. And remember, Mike, too, the uh, the Bears, unfortunately, for Panthers fans out there, the Bears have already clinched the number one pick with the Panthers now being at 2-14. and 14. So now it'll just be whether the Bears pick, yeah, where their second pick is. And right now they're slated at number 10. So they have two top 10 picks as of now. But what I was going to say is uh, the Packers were in this very same spot with the great Aaron Rodgers last year. Beat the Lions, make the playoffs at home. And what did the Lions do? Came in and trounced them. So – the Packers have got to be very aware and very wary of an improving Bears team that's been playing some pretty good football here of late. So I'm I'm concerned. I don't take the the aura of of Lambeau Field seems to have worn off over the last few years, where teams don't come in there just fearful of playing the Packers and just lose because they're playing on the frozen tundra, which is seldom frozen anymore anyway. So, uh, Mike, let's talk about a couple things. First of all, thoughts on the bowl season by you. Uh, thoughts on what happened in the semifinals uh, the other day and looking ahead to that national championship game. Well, you know, when they, when they started the playoff uh, 10 years ago, this is what they hoped and envisioned, right? Two immensely entertaining semifinal games, four teams, clearly the best four, uh, with all due respect to a, a Florida State team without its star quarterback. Uh, and I think we're going to have a good final. We, we've yet to have, in 10 years of the 14 playoff format, both an entertaining round of semis and a, a competitive national championship game. Mm-hmm. So this will be the first time. This will be the first, If this happens, if it comes to fruition the way I believe it will, uh, it'll be great. And, no, I, I, I think it's fantastic. Um, you know, I, the Alabama game – which is one of the most highest-rated college football uh, games of our lifetime, if you follow that kind of thing. Uh, I mean, really, to me, that last drive came down to Michigan didn't fear Jalen Milrow at all, throwing the football, that is. And so it was. It became pretty uh, predictable. They, every time Milrow was looking up, it was a heavy box. You had at least a, an extra guy in there, and usually five guys on the line, and they just said, Jalen, if you want to beat us throwing the football, be my guest, but we're not going to let you run all over us like you have some other teams. It's a great strategy. It's not that complicated. And on that last drive, even after the injury where, where Alabama had extra time to think about what that goal line play was going to be, did anybody have a doubt that it was going to be a run? Hmm. And for that matter, did we doubt that it was going to be Milrow on a run? So uh, kudos to Michigan. Kudos to Harbaugh. He's the man with the black hat. Uh, everybody uh, likes to either pull for him or pull against him. 
Uh, don't know if he'll be around next year, but for the time being, he's got a chance to close it out with a national championship. Yes, he does. And you're right about the entertaining factor of the two semis. It was outstanding off the charts. The TV ratings, of course, were excellent for the semifinals, and they've been pretty good throughout the bowl season. Just tells you that people love college football, despite all the, the turmoil and the turnover. Uh, people are still into it. Now, I think maybe gambling has something to do with these numbers. We're just seeing some unbelievable television numbers now, and with so many people able to gamble easily on the games, gamble during the game, gamble before a snap is made. I think that's added to the eyeballs watching this thing because they got money riding on it. I mean, well, there's no doubt about it. I mean, people, people when it comes to football are, are kind of like Phil Kornblut at the craps table in mm. Council Bluffs, Iowa during the College <laughs> World Series. Hey. I mean, you can't, hey. you can't peel them away. You can't peel them away. And so they they got to have some action. It's, it's midnight, one in the morning, three in the morning. Who cares? With half uh, with, with half the baseball team, I'm not going to say which team, with half the baseball team yeah. in there. Right, half the baseball team in there. And it's like, yo, who needs a recruiting report? We'll get to that next month. I'm hot, baby. I'm hot. Uh, if only I had audio. come up, if only I had been wise enough to come up with the formula to win at craps every time. Well, yes, you and millions of people have probably said that over the course of time. Of course, I thought I cracked the code on roulette, and then it turns out I did not. But anyway, uh, enough about gambling losses and heartbreak and tragedy and scandalous decisions late at night in a town called Council Bluffs, Iowa. (laughs) Uh, I I, I think gambling is certainly added to the whole thing, and as you noticed, I mean – all, all the networks now, they no longer shy away from it. The people that run college athletics that used to shun it have shied away from it. I mean, if Major League Baseball does what I think it's going to do, which is expand into Las Vegas, the city that basically is responsible for Pete Rose, the all-time hits king, not being in the Hall of Fame, then, yeah, anything, all bets are off, uh, <laughs> pun intended. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but, you know, in all seriousness, I mean, last year, you had gambling, but Georgia TCU wasn't going to draw a number. And, and, and for that matter, uh, TCU, Michigan was, I mean, this was the perfect storm. This is what college football and the TV networks want. They want two brand name schools that are both really good. And then throw in a little controversy, which always follows Jim Harbaugh. And that's the, that's the, the formula for a high rating. I don't know if you're going to get that every year, uh, even with the gamblers, uh, but in a 12-team format, you usually should have some some really good games that'll have people tuned in. And uh, of all the things that are going wrong and chaotic with college athletics, I, I think we can at least rejoice in that. Mm-hmm. Mike Morgan, Morgan on the move here tonight on Sports Talk. And Mike, first off, I apologize for the background noise. I'm getting ready for coastal basketball here at Texas State. But sure. you brought up an interesting point about the uh, matchups and. How much did the playoff committee, considering the national championship, maybe they don't have rooting interest, but considering the national championship game is in Houston this year because we flew into Austin, Texas on Tuesday night with a lot of upset uh, Longhorn fans coming back from New Orleans. How disappointed do you think the national people are that it's not Michigan and Texas for the national title? You know, I'm sure there's a little bit of that. I mean, Texas is a huge – Huge program with a mammoth alumni base, et cetera, et cetera. But I got to tell you, I mean, 
I worked with a guy for four years when I was with Fox, and he was a former defensive back at Washington, played in the NFL for years. And he used to say, Mike, you, you, you Southerners, you just don't understand. We love college football just as much up in the Pacific Northwest. We just don't get the publicity. And I kind of, you know, rolled my eyes a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I get it. It's a beautiful stadium. It's it's on a it's on a lake. Hmm. It's you got mountains. You got water. All beautiful stuff. But but really, how how much is that a college town versus a pro town? Because you've got the Seahawks. You used to have the SuperSonics. Uh, but make no mistake about it. Washington is a brand, and and the Pacific, the left coast uh, now more than ever is clamoring for relevance, and, and they'll get behind this. There'll be a lot of eyeballs on this game, even though it's not Texas. So, yeah, I, I mean, we are – that's our familiar uh, southern bias, if you want to call it that, with Texas. We kind of consider that a deep south team, especially now they're going into the SEC. But uh, I think I think it's still a very intriguing matchup. I'll tell you who the, the, the winner is in all of this is Tony Petiti, the commissioner of the Big Ten. Because this is a de facto Big Ten championship game because Washington will be in the Big Ten next year. And, of course, Michigan's not leaving the Big Ten. So uh, with all the talk about this league and that league and expansion and migration, uh, here we have it. It's it's essentially a, a Big Ten championship game. And maybe this is what Big Ten fans can look forward to because, quite frankly, other than Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, who never wins the big game, they haven't had much to get behind. I mean, the Big Ten has not been a really good, deep league overall. But you add Washington and Oregon, uh, that's not a bad That's not a bad one-two punch because both those programs are riding pretty high right now. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine Michael Penix is going to bring a lot of eyeballs to that game as well, considering how well he played in the uh, semifinals, don't you think? No doubt, and I continue to be impressed by him. Um, you know, here's a guy that has torn up two knees and two shoulders. And that's really the only reason why he wasn't ranked more highly by NFL scouts coming into this year. But I would be surprised if he's not a first-round pick this year after what he's done. He throws a really pretty ball. He's insanely accurate with it. He's mobile enough. uh, And he's played in some pretty elaborate offenses, both at Indiana and now at Washington. So uh, I think the future is bright for that young man. And I think that that is the key matchup for me. I want to see how he and those three wide receivers that are incredibly talented. And, oh, by the way, it wasn't Alabama or Georgia that won the Joe Moore Award. It wasn't Notre Dame. It was Washington for the best offensive line in college football. They won the award. So they can block pretty well, too. So that offense against Michigan's defense, to me, that's that's worth the price of admission. Hmm. Mike Morgan, Morgan on the move tonight here on Sports Talk. And, uh, Mike, one other quick question. I know Phil and Pat spent much of the first hour chatting about the transfer portal and I think the situation with Alabama is really interesting especially their center Seth McLaughlin who is in the transfer portal after I don't think anybody could argue he played poorly in the uh, semifinal loss to a uh, Michigan do you think it's as much him not wanting to hang around the Alabama program anymore because of that game and maybe fans have turned on him or does he honestly believe in your mind that he might find a better fit for him somewhere other than Alabama no, I think you hit it on the head the first time. I think he wants to get out of Dodge. Mm. Um, and I don't think that's fair necessarily, but you know, nobody cares about fair mm. when it comes to college football hysteria. Mm. You're talking about a sport that you know, quarterbacks that have had bad games have gotten death threats in the past. 
uh, here's a young man that on the biggest stage just could not snap the ball to the quarterback six, seven times. He put it on the carpet. That's it's just hard to, to for to walk away from that and for fans to forget about that. And so it, while it doesn't seem justifiable for fans to like hold a grudge and just want to berate this kid, I, I think he's like the hell with this. I, I don't need it. I'll go somewhere else and get a fresh start. Turn your attention quickly to basketball because ACC play now well underway. Clemson losing at Miami last night. Miami shoots 75% in the second half. Brad Brownell not at all happy with the way his guys play defense. In fact, he made the comment that um, oh, he made the comment that his guys were too offensive-minded and not defensive-minded enough. He has said that before about one of his good teams that was scoring a lot of points but giving up a lot of points. So what did you think of that win by Miami? Were you more surprised that Clemson lost or more impressed with Miami winning, also considering that Miami was playing without one of their starting guards and that Nigel Pack had just come back off of injury himself? Well, look, the game was in Miami, correct? Correct. And Miami's a Final Four team a year ago with a lot of talent back and a really good coach. It's a road conference game. No, I'm not that surprised. I mean, obviously, the, the second half where they shot lights out and put up gaudy numbers, that's I, I don't blame Brad Brownell for not being happy about it, and that's something you want to fix and be vocal about. But uh, it, it's road. It's a road game and conference play against a really good team that knows how to win. That that to me is not a great matchup for Clemson or anybody else in that league. I mean, it's that that's Miami is going to do that to some folks, and then and when Miami goes on the road, if that game was at Little John tomorrow, I wouldn't be surprised if Clemson won it. Uh, it it's just home court advantage in conference play, in particular in the S, in the SEC, ACC, Big Twelve. Uh, it's pretty mammoth, and uh, that's just going to happen. I wouldn't make too much of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you really what you really have to worry about are the bad losses home or away or home losses in general. Uh, you want to defend your home court, and Clemson's still got a, a, a good road ahead of them and a quality team that I'd be shocked if they didn't make the NCAA tournament. After a quarter, USC women up on Florida 32-15. to 15. By the way, they are winning by an average of 41 points per game. Last thing, we'll let you go. Gamecocks open up at Missis- against Mississippi State at home. Saturday afternoon, eleven and one are the Gamecocks. And talking with Lamont Paris today, I mean he he feels like the eleven and one record is pretty indicative of how good he feels this team is, and his players kind of believe they are an eleven and one team. What about this matchup with Mississippi State for them? What do they need to be concerned about? I think they're twelve and one, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, I, I I think the Mississippi State matchup. I have had them. Uh, Mississippi State under Chris Jans, they are a defensive-minded team. They can get after you. They can make the game ugly, muck it up a bit. Now, I don't think they're the most explosive team offensively, but I will say this. I've got a healthy Tolu Smith now, so they're one of the best rebounding teams Carolina will face all year long. To me, that's one of the keys to that game. Can you, can you keep it somewhat even on the glass? Because if you're minus 10, minus 11, real hard to win a basketball game that way even if you shoot the ball well mm-hmm. at home uh but i think it's a intriguing matchup and when you look at the games ahead 
it'd be a really good idea for the for Carolina to win that one at home, get off to a one and zero start, continue to feel good about yourself, and try to steal one on the road. But like I said before, try to hold court at home. Yeah, Mississippi State, number one defensive team in terms of scoring in the SEC. And I want to thank you, Mike, for correcting me. I always love being corrected. It's what I live for. I live for my <laughs> mistakes to be corrected. So thank you. The Gamecocks I, are 12-1. and one. Thank you for that. Yeah. I was going to let it fly. I, I didn't no, correct no, you. No. I just, I, I just kind of added that I no, think they had one more win. It's that boga mentality. You, you got that boga mentality going. That's all. <laughs> The word wrong never entered my vocabulary. I just I just said I think as if I didn't know. Mm. I think they're twelve and one. Yeah. Uh but no, that'll be a fun match. Hey, uh you mentioned Clemson. I've got Trevor Lawrence and the Jags Sunday oh. in Nashville against the Titans. And the Jaguars need a win to clinch a playoff spot. Hopefully Trevor Lawrence will uh be healthy enough to play. Of course ETN in the backfield. It's a fun team to watch. I'm looking forward to, to calling that one. I haven't called a Jags game yet, so it'll be the first one. Well, if you get a chance to stand next to a Trevor Lawrence, take a close look at his facial features and tell me he doesn't look like a Greek god, okay? the No, I'm serious. That could be a little awkward. I, it is, but high bone structure. Look at the cheekbones, pretty, you know, okay. high cheekbones and the long. Now, he's cut his hair some. Maybe that's why uh-huh. he got hurt, you know, the old Samson story. Maybe that's why he got hurt. Yeah. But uh, very much in my eyes when I was at, uh, covering him at Clemson, very much Greek godlike to me. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll pass that along, and I'll say, I'll give him a, a gift basket of botanical oils courtesy of Bill <laughs> Corbett. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. And maybe you can get me, right. a, get me a signed jock strap in return. It sounds like you would enjoy that. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> and, Mike, while we're at it, one last thing with that. Both starting quarterbacks in that game, Trevor Lawrence and Will Levis, started college back in 2018. Found an interesting stat earlier. A few uh, college players, including Washington starting quarterback Michael Penix Jr., also started their careers back in 2018. Mm. Okay. See, I might steal this one now. I might. This, this sounds like a factoid I could use on the broadcast <laughs> and impress my analysts impress the audience, uh, and I will make sure to credit you and to uh, throw in a botanical oil for you as well. Now, do you have to run that by your producer before it comes out of your mouth? No, no, it's not profane. It's not, uh, we don't need it. It's, it's, it's national radio. It's not TV, so I don't have to, you know, support a graphic or mm. set the producer up with a picture of the 2018 quarterback class. I don't have to do any of that. I just talk. And you do that well. Well, I try. Yeah. I, I try. But, yeah. you know, somebody's got to do it. Well, Happy New Year. Enjoy the game. Talk to you next week. Thank you, Mike. Guys, That's always Mike. enjoy it. Look forward to 2024 with you. Yes, Thank you. sir. As always, Mike Morgan. Morgan on the move. Don't forget you can catch Mike with his pals on their show on the Chief Sports app uh, during the week. He's on there every so often. So adds to that show. 